like people don't know like this this is not just a thing that you just do just for fun just because you want like a mural on your on your on your, uh-huh. on your wall but it's kind of like the same thing that you would do a kitchen remodel they always tell you real estate because i also have a real estate license mm. back in california your three places to do is your master bedroom your master your master bathroom and your kitchen that's that where's all the equities at so why not bring something else besides the typical remodeling bring some creativity to it. treading water is the same as drowning to people like you and me you better start swimming welcome to the show i'm your host rob green welcome to this podcast we've got douglas c hi uh from desired homes wall accent and design did i butcher that accent wall design and installation Desires Homes Accent Wall Designs and Installation. That is a full, that is a mouthful. Douglas. So, <laughs> uh, so we're going to talk a little bit. So, I, I, my background is in e-commerce. Your background is design and also uh, offline. So, we're going to dig into your business today. But tell us a little bit about how you got your entrepreneurial journey started. So, basically, um, I, I'm originally from California. I moved over here four years ago. So, during the pandemic, in okay. the middle of it. Oh, in the know, middle of the pandemic, you moved to Arizona. Pretty much. Okay. You know, you know, when you, you know, when you're about faced with life or death situations and the way it was, you know, being broadcast, you're like, let me think of my life. How do I want to do it? Okay. So basically I moved over to Arizona um, and then I bought a home in 2021. Okay. I've always been into interior design and HGTV and all this other things, you know? And so basically I started doing these, uh, I wanted to give some personality to my house. So I decided to start you know, looking into Pinterest and because, you know, that's where a lot of the interior designers get their ideas from. And so I started doing that and I started doing the, creating the accent walls in my home. And then my partner was like, you know, you like doing this. And because I did one whole room by myself <laughs> within a week to the floor, I mean, from the paint to the, to the accent wall design, to the floor, everything he goes, you should, you should, you know, create a business from it. So I created the business in July of last year. Okay. So it's only been seven months. It's been there seven months. Okay. And ever and I was like, you know, I was like, ah, let me do it because I know I wouldn't be able to do this in California because there's so much competition out there. Mm. So out here, so I'm like, let me do it. And so I did it, not expecting how good I was gonna have it for those six months that I made about 20k. Just, great. Just for those six months. Good job. And I'm like, okay, so this is what I've asked for. Kind of like, okay, now let's get into it. Okay. You know. So this year I decided to start doing home expos. Okay. Tell us more about that. So I've always seen the Maricopa, you know, County Home Expos, and I'm like, I see what what it's all about. It's for home improvement, home renovations, and people want to go, get, you know, talk to vendors. And so I said, let me become a vendor myself. Okay. So I decided to start at this Arizona State, Fair, State Fairgrounds one. Yep. That just happened in January. Okay. Earlier this month. And uh, it went well. Like, everybody was really accepting of it. Like, oh, my God, you're like, you. I've been looking for your, your type of design, you know, your... Your type of work for a while because people were telling me that they were looking for to get accent walls and everything else, but they were always being directed into a you know a, a whole interior designer or a construction mm. company or a remodeling kitchen company, and they're like, we don't want none of that. We just want a wall done. So you found a nice niche that isn't full blown remodels, but also is significant enough to not just painting a wall. Correct. Okay. And so it's it was great. And so then I'm saying, let me do the Gilbert one, which I just did like le- this past weekend. Okay. And that went well. And so you were an exhibitor. You were a vendor. You had. Did you have a booth? 
Yes. Okay. And you pay to be to have the booth for those yes. people that don't do conferences. You pay to have the booth. You man the booth. Mm -hmm. And then you've got what type of customer is walking around in those kind of expos? So mostly the uh, typical ones were like that have are pretty much homeowners. They're okay. All homeowners. They have a uh, home and they have a certain wall or they want to change a design of their, of their mm. house. But this past one, uh, it was a lot of homeowners who just got their home. Mm, perfect. Or, or just building or about to get done their home, build, getting built. Or just waiting to, they're still, their house is still on studs and waiting to get finished. Perfect. You know, so that's basically what I was getting this past weekend. And then are those people, are, are you able to capture, other than just talking to them and giving your, them your information, is there any way for you to capture their email or contact information to then market to them yes. through the expo? Yes. Okay, so, so you have all that. Yes, because uh, at the expos, I have a, an ad on my table with a QR code Okay. that they could actually put their... Uh, get the QR code, go through the website, and they actually, if they sign themselves up, they get $250 off. Awesome. How no. many, do you, have you been, I know it's just happened. Mm -hmm. Have you been able to identify, like, let's use the one in Gilbert recently. Mm -hmm. How many contacts did you actually get from that? Uh, I would say, it's funny, it's funny you say that because there's a, it's very hesitant for people to put their information out there. Yes, correct. And it's like kind of like, I would have to talk to them and do it. Some, most, I would say 90% were not willing to do it. Okay. Do you yeah. know with an end of number? I mean, did you get like 10 people? I get like, I got about five. Five people. Okay. I know on the last one in Maricopa, I got seven. Okay. Seven on the last one in Maricopa. Okay. So that feels like you're probably, from an expo perspective, your biggest opportunity is to craft an offer that gets people past the idea of giving their information. So, and I'm a marketing guy. Mm -hmm. So when I think about something like that, what is the constraint? Or what is the, the problem of what we're trying to solve for? We're, we're really trying to solve for how do we get people to get past the trust issue to giving you their information. Correct. Right? So there's a couple different ways we could do that, right? So we know that this is a target market. These people are interested, right? You did the $250 off. But the $250 off is really only a compelling offer mm -hmm. if they actually sign up with you. Correct. So that's great. The people that signed up are probably really serious. Oh, but I also give them a free mock-up for whatever design they want. Oh, okay. So now we got something else to add. So if they they have a wall, okay, that they want, it's, you know, they're like, oh, we got an idea, you know, and they just, if they just send me the size of the wall, yes, and they say they want to go with this style or they have a particular style that they want to go to, okay, I'll create the mock-up and send it over to them. Okay, that's great. Is there any way to reduce friction? That's how I think about this all the time. How do we reduce friction to make it easy for them? to give you their information and you to get their information. I wonder if there's a way uh, for them to share like a picture. I don't know if, do they have pictures of their house when some they show them, up? Some of them do. Okay. Some of them do. But I think I could tell you that from the one from here in Gilbert that I just had, a lot of people were hesitant because even myself who went, who was there and didn't, people didn't know I was a vendor as well. Mm. The hassle that people, the salesman, and I get it, it's a sales thing. Mm. You know, the hassle of, you know, asking you and, getting your information, and then uh, once they have your information... They just beat you up. They beat you up, beat you up. And, I, you know, I had a couple who came by. The, actually, the husband came by, and he said, my wife was just in here with me. She just walked right out the door. And she goes, and she go, he goes, thank you for not hassling me. Mm. He goes, and he even was even off... He was willing to even re offer... He offered me to redo my logo. Oh, wow. Because it kind of... The pixel came out kind of... You know, on the banner, didn't come sure. out correct. So he yeah. was like, I'll do your logo for free. Just send it to me, and I'll redo it. Oh, that's cool. 
you know, and he goes, but thank you for not hassling because my, my wife just left because she can't stand this. High pressure. Yep. Too much high pressure sales. I, I would think about as you get to know, as your business grows and as you get to dial in your customer base, I'd really be curious on what, how to create that offer that is compelling enough for them to give the information. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably just headed, probably tackle, tackle it head on, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, listen, I'm not going to hassle you. I'm going to send you one email. I promise. One email with an opportunity to do a free mock-up. You don't want that? Don't reply, right? Just be really transparent about what you're going to offer. I'm not going to keep, because everybody hates that. Yeah. Everybody hates giving out their information. I get people calling me all the time, soliciting stuff and that and this and that. I mean, I get bombarded all day long with emails, right? Yeah. So nobody wants that piece of it. But if they are already there, they might want your service. And so it's kind of like them sifting through all the other service providers and vendors are there. Because that value for you in long term is having that email. Yeah. Right? And then building out. So. I know it's only seven months old. What is an average project cost? Would you say if there's, I know it's probably a big range yeah, because it depends on what you're doing, but what's an average project cost? So usually the, what, so to go back a little bit back, just to go, what goes into a price for a wall, please. It's the design. Okay. Of the complexity of the design, the paint paint, because I actually get it from Sherwin Williams. Okay. Like I actually bring get, pick up the paint and everything else. Wow. The materials. Okay. And the materials could be like wood or PVC or whatever's used Correct. to create the design Correct. or wallpaper. Correct. Okay. And I, with wallpaper, I like to the customer to choose it because sometimes it just gets too much. It's like, oh, I don't want this one. I want that one. Got it. So I'm like, you know, when you got the wallpaper, let me know and I'll come and install it. Okay. Got it. You know, uh, but then the the biggest where the most of the cost comes is the size of the wall. Tell me more about that. Is that, is that because of the labor? Yes. Okay. So obviously bigger wall. Correct. M- more work. Correct. More labor. So like a 10 by 14 type of wall will cost like, it depends on the wood slat, like sure, up and down or halfway. It's like 2,500. Okay. So is 2,500 a reasonable like estimate of what an average project would cost? Correct. Okay. So, but it could be anywhere from, you know, simple painting or simple, 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 simple. So maybe it's less than that or yeah. maybe up to 5,000. I've had, I have a project that would be like 1,500. Okay. So let's say 1,500 to five grand. Is that Correct. probably where most of them fall in? Most of them. And okay. there's some that are huge. Like I've had last one, last year I had one in Gilbert. I had a foyer doing the wainscoting. Okay. I love um, the wainscoting. Yeah. In the foyer um, on a 20 foot wall. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that one was about 6,000. Okay. So 1,500 to 6,000 is a good, is a good range of what prices look like. Now, even, even though it's only been seven months, I mean, the, it's most, almost all businesses, the challenge mm-hmm. is acquiring new customers, Right. Have you had any repeat customers yet? Uh, my first, I would say my second or third project, I did their bedroom, their their dining room, and their hallway. All at once, or did they come back to you for more? They would all say, hey, I'm thinking about my bedroom. Tell me what a quote for that one is, and here's the design I want to go through. So I send it to you. I was like, okay, we'll do that. Okay. And then, oh, we wanted to do our hallway. And then it's like, okay, then we did the hallway. Okay. And then I know they want to do a bed, uh, their bathroom, but they wanted, it was during the holidays. So like, you know, let's kind of hold off on that one because, you know, Christmas, you buy kids, sure. you know, gifts for the gi- sure. uh, for the kids and stuff like that. So I'm just, you know, I'm going to reach out to them pretty soon and say, hey, do you want to do the bedroom? I mean, the uh, the bathroom. I love that. I mean, that, that's what I was going to say is I feel like the biggest opportunity in your business, it's hard to get the new customer, right? It's always hardest to get the first mm-hmm. cu- first time customer. But the real opportunity is when you get the repeat customers. Correct. Right? Because- not only that, they, I feel like when we've done stuff at our house, 
it's like that first time you don't really know what you're getting. Like, mm-hmm. you never know until it's done, right? Yeah, you're like, exactly. you cross your fingers a little bit and you hope it's done, especially with, you know, d- design. Yes. And so then you get it and you're like, wow, this is great. Oh, now I've got this to be done and this I need to get yeah. done and this to be done. So do you do anything around that with current customers? So do you do a follow-up series? Is there a, an email drip series or anything like that? No, not actually, because uh, it's funny when you're talking about, you know, the free gift that I do along once once I do that free gift, I go back home at the end, you know, on Monday and then I send out an email to remind them like, hey, you know, because you get $250 off and stuff like that. And I just send it to them. And some of them actually have replied from just a constant contact email that I send, you know, and then that's how the, the I have like one coming up in next weekend, not this weekend coming up, but next weekend. Okay. You know. That's, Rio Verde. That's awesome. There, there's really three ways to make more revenue, right? There's number one, we got to find more customers to sell. Number two, we've got to charge our current customers more money, mm-hmm. which would be bigger projects for you. And number three, we've got to get them to come back and buy more from me. Correct. Right? Out of those three, I feel like in most cases, and I think in your case, probably getting them to come back to you and buy again is probably the easiest of the three. Yes. Getting a new customer is almost always the hardest. If it was yes. the easiest, man, tell me that business, Douglas, and I'm starting it today. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's that'd be my favorite. If it's getting new customers is the easiest, sign me up for yeah. that one. And then charging more money also can be easy depending on your price point you're at now, mm-hmm. depending on the marketplace, depending on what's happening and the value you're providing, right? So I think, so currently right now, let's say I do a project with you now. Let's say you come to my house, we do our master bedroom wall, which actually my wife's going to want you to do a consultation. I already know that for sure because <laughs> we've talked about this for, for years now. So let's say that's the case. We do the consultation, we, we do the project, you do the work. Okay. At the end of the work, what do you do to follow up with customers? Is there anything currently that you do to follow up with customers other than the that's, follow-up email? That's funny that, no, I actually don't. Okay. I think this is most offline businesses. Now, again, we do e-commerce and mm-hmm. we do a lot of emails and we try to, we've done handwritten letters. By the way, love handwritten letters. I think handwritten letters are gold. When I used to do sales in corporate America, I, every month I would write out handwritten letters to my customers and they would keep them like oh, be okay. crazy. I know it sounds old school, yeah. but I mean, when was the last time you got a handwritten letter? Not, not anytime soon. Dude, I got one the other day because I was on a guy's podcast. I couldn't believe it. I wow. haven't had a, I haven't received a handwritten card in a year wow. or more, right? And so you get it, and you're like, "What is this?" And you open it up, you're like, "Oh, that was really thoughtful." And I told Elizabeth, "I'm like, uh, we should start doing this." Like, I love that. I love I mean, it's old yeah. school, but I love it because it's so unique and personal and personal, and you just don't get that anymore, right? So uh, I, that would be something I would consider. Definitely a nice touch. Um, a second thing is building out. You said you use constant contact. Yes. Build out an email series. So what do I mean by an email series? Build out an email series of value-added uh, information. Okay. So it could be um, upcoming trends. Okay. It could, you know how they always do the, um, and again, this is I'm a little outside of my wheelhouse here, so correct me when I'm wrong, Douglas. But you know how they always come out with like colors of the year? Correct. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what the color of 20, colors of 2024 are, but I, I might if I'm interested in design, I might yeah. be interested because I might want to freshen my house up. Like, my wife and I are very big on like keeping it up and keeping, we renovated the house like five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. I've already like repainted the baseboards, mm. right? I'm big on like keeping it looking nice yeah. and keeping it fresh. Correct. We've already paint, uh, painted the walls now again. Okay. We did it five years ago. We've already done it, redone it again with new colors. So I'm like the kind of person that and my wife is too, that wants to keep it fresh. Yeah. I don't know what's happening. Gotcha. You know what's happening. You're the expert. 
So build out what I would call a series of automated emails. Okay. And not every week, not every day, but something like your business, maybe it's once a month. Maybe it's quarterly. I don't know what the right frequency is, mm -hmm. but it keeps Douglas and Desired Homes at the top of their mind, right? It does a couple things. It gives you a higher probability of getting a repeat customer. Mm -hmm. But even more importantly than that, it can help build word of mouth. Gotcha. If you build value-add content for them, what happens is, let's say, and we'll use the, is, do you know the colors off the top of your head of the colors of 2024? Or are no, they, not off the top of my head right now. Okay. I don't know. If I know are, green is the biggest one right now. Green is? Green is. Okay. So let's say you send out that email. And you send it to, I'll use my wife as an example. Send it to my wife. And she's like, I'm not doing anything right now. But oh, but our friend Ellen is. I know Ellen's going to read We just had this, this is actually real. She had this conversation at their house having brunch on Sunday. And they're looking at doing like a remodeling project. Right? Perfect example. She takes your email. Mm -hmm. She just forwards it on to Ellen. And now Ellen is aware of who you are and what you do at no cost to you. And once you do it, you build out this series. So uh, I've got a buddy, Talor, that's excellent at this. He's got like email one, email two, email mm -hmm. three, email four, email five. And you set up that frequency. You just change out the content every once in a while. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, for you, it's probably not extremely time sensitive. A lot of this kind of sticks with it. But as trends change, it keeps it fresh and you stay on top of their mind. Yeah. And there's no lift for you once you build it. But would you say that's about the same as Facebook Manager? Way better. Okay. And the reason why is it's more personalized. Got it. And it's easier to convey what you want to do. So Facebook manager would be like running ads is what you're talking yeah. about, right? You can definitely repurpose the value add content you create in Facebook. I, I, I would recommend this too. If you're going to create content, mm -hmm. repurpose it. Okay. And repurpose it on whatever channels you're going to have success with, whether that's TikTok, whether mm -hmm. that's Instagram Reels, whatever, uh, Facebook, wherever you want to create the same content and then repurpose it across different platforms. There's some good AI tools now that will allow you to do that very, very easily. Very much and so, then yeah. you can program programmatically send it out there. And I think your type of business is perfect for this because it's fashionable. It's trending. It's design. It does change. Mm -hmm. And people want to, it's a point of contact. It's talking. Yeah. And, and it's and my target audience is, People who don't really are not looking to do a whole kitchen remodel. Yeah. A whole bathroom remodel. Like they want to freshen it up. But just freshen it up and actually kind of bring some personality into a room that they're in their like their living room or their bedroom. Dougie Fresh. Dougie Fresh. Douglas Fresh. I like this. <laughs> Keep it fresh, man. So I think that 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 is that would be my first suggestion, right? So is you've got to you want to get more customers. Mm -hmm. Because as we were talking before we started recording is that's where your real opportunity to business. You, you've proven the concept. This is a great journey. I think most entrepreneurs go on. I'm not sure this is going to work. I like doing this. Let's see if it works. Mm -hmm. You started doing it. It's working. You're getting some volume. You're getting good feedback. It's working well. Now, how do we take what works and how do we amplify that? Right? Yeah. Email is the lowest lift for you. It's the easiest one to do. It's just slower because you don't have a lot of customers because you've only been in business for seven months. But you put that in place now to help build up. That's like a foundational growth method. Second thing is how, other than like Expos, how are you getting new customers now? Google. Okay, talk to me more. So basically when I first started this business, I was like, since my partner is a marketing director. Oh, perfect. He's a, But he's busy with his own of course. customers. And of course. So he kind of helps. He's like, hey, try this, try that, try that. 
So he's um so I did we I did my Google business account. Yep. And then I just started doing it. And then that was where my first customer came from, yep. from Google. He goes, I'm like, how did you find me? Oh, Google. Yeah, you know, we, we I find you on Google because I was looking and I couldn't find anybody who did it. And yours came up. So you did Google My Business account, mm-hmm. for those that don't know. So you claimed the, essentially your business for the area. There's zip codes you can actually go to yeah. you, for your local business. And then with that local business, someone searched. And how this works is when you search online on Google, it's based on your IP address. So if you are claiming an area and I'm searching an area, I'm actually gonna, you're going to show up in my area because it's, it's trying to localize marketing essentially is what yes. it is. Now, uh, this is against their terms of service, but you may want to consider this. You may want to get, well, how do I say this? I strongly encourage you to get any customers that have ever worked with you to leave your reviews. Okay. The value of getting reviews online cannot be overstated. I didn't learn this until I was well into my e-commerce career. Okay. To really, I just, I don't use reviews a lot. Mm -hmm. So I was biased in my own way. The amount of, of value your average consumer puts on reviews is insane, especially in a service-based business. So I, whatever you got to do, Douglas, beg, borrow, steal, mm-hmm. you got to get people to give you reviews. Every single person. You got to find a way to lower the friction so they give you a review because you need those reviews to get social proof yeah, yeah, to help sense. it convert without you having to sell them. The difference is when someone interacts with you, it's like, oh, this guy's got 105 star reviews. I already know he's great. Versus he's got two four star reviews. Is he great? Mm. I'm not sure. It's just it's a different state of mind. So when someone interacts with your business, so yeah. you've got to find a way to seed your business online with high quality reviews. That's how I think about it. It's like seeding it. You're just yeah. building that foundation. Have you used? Are you running Google AdWords by any chance? Yes. Okay. How is that going for you? It's going pretty good. Okay. Talk to me about, are you running that yourself? Yes. That can be daunting for a lot of people that are not yes. familiar with it, right? Yeah, it You're, is. Are you creating like auto campaigns or are you targeting keywords with AdWords? Uh, keywords. Okay. Like, you know, home renovations and stuff okay. like that. And, you know, anybody who's doing, who's a HGTV, you know, fan. Yep. Or home renovations, home remodeling, you know, home, interior designing, stuff like that. Okay. That's what I'm targeting towards. Too. Let's talk about a budget. So I'm an aggressive guy from a marketing perspective. And one of my favorite sayings of all time is I have an unlimited budget for profitable activities. How do you think about budgeting for marketing for this business? It's funny because I really don't have a budget, but I'm kind of like, for Google, Mm -hmm. $250 a month. Okay, $250. Okay, have you got any customers from that? Yes. How many? I say two or three. Okay. And how long have you been running ads? Uh, I've been running them ads for like every month, actually. So for seven months, seven months. Okay. And I'm going to be conservative and say you got two. Okay. All right. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. So let's say seven months. I'm a, I'm a numbers guy, Douglas. So we're going to break this down. Okay. Uh, real stuff. All right. So you got seven months at two fifty. All right. So we yeah. got 1750 bucks you spent. All right. Yes. On ads. And let's just say you got two customers. Okay. All right. Two times 2,500 average. I mean, probably there's a variance there, right? You got $5,000 in revenue. So what we think, what I think about in the online world is we would call that ROAS, okay. which is return on ad spend. And return on ad spend is your revenue divided by your cost to acquire those customers. So you've got a very limited data set. You've only got two examples and only seven months at 250. So it's, it's hard to put a lot of weight behind these numbers. 
but you've got almost what we would call a three row as, right? So a three row as means for every dollar I put in, I get $3 of revenue back. This is a critical metric to understand from a marketing perspective. The more that goes up, the more you should spend, right? So I would argue you might have an opportunity mm -hmm. and you'd have to look at it. You need more data. Okay. You need more data. Two is not enough to give any, it's, it's not, just yeah. not a big enough sample size. But if you started spending more money on the ads, you might be able to really understand. Because imagine if I said to you for your business, every dollar you put in, you get five bucks back. What's your budget? Then I would be, <laughs> there'd be no budget. That's right. You go crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. You go unlimited budget for profitable activities. And this is where I, this is a really key, important concept that I think people that are starting as an entrepreneur that maybe don't have a marketing or a finance background, it's so easy to miss it because you're trying to do everything. I'm trying to figure out my taxes. I got to figure out my accounting. I got to figure out sales yeah. and marketing. I got to figure out operations, right? You're just wearing all these hats. This sales and marketing, in my opinion, is the lifeblood of a business. Yes. Right. If you can build the machine around the sales and marketing, it makes everything else easier. Like there is no business without sales. Like until someone agrees to give you money, it's a hobby. Trust me, I heard that a lot, you know, before I even got into business and just because, you know, watching YouTube videos and seeing how people did their stuff and what's the biggest thing, marketing is the biggest part of the business. 100%. We, we, we manufacture products, we create brands, uh, we're a marketing company. Like, I think about it all the time. That's what we are as a marketing company. We just try to, we have the ability to make the products that we sell instead of just selling somebody else's products so we can refine those to the market. Mm -hmm. You've got a one-on-one -on -one personal relationship with a customer so you can actually meet their needs really clearly in an individualized, customized basis, right? So that's the number one thing I would do is, is, is go, and if it's not you, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Have somebody else that's an expert at this. Okay. And have them look at it. So you get more reviews. Get your Google My Business dialed in with a review strategy. Then start amplifying. Google AdWords is just an amplification of the presence you have online right now, right? Amplify that with more ads to get more data. Because that's a, for not doing this before, that's really good. You're making money at three ROAS. Mm -hmm. For sure. You're profitable. Not just revenue. You're profitable at three yeah. ROAS. Improving that slightly and or getting more of that will allow you to take your business from where you are now to 10x. Right. Yeah. And it's all driven on this. Yes. Right. And then it, it, there, there's an ancillary benefit that most people they know about, but they don't really talk about or think about a lot of times is the more people we put into this funnel, this, I think of it like a sales funnel, right? The more customers we get in and we do a great job, mm -hmm. more chance for repeat. Not only get more chance for repeat, we get more people that can refer their friends. Right. If I have 10 customers that could refer friends or I have a hundred people that are going to refer friends, it's a different ballgame. Right. So we're trying to put more people into the funnel so Douglas can do a great job that can then start spinning up that feedback loop and mm -hmm. growing the customer base. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's your the two things I would do for sure, like right away uh -huh. is to amplify this. And it's I have friends that have local businesses like a, a gym and and Sean has been on the podcast before and years I've talked to her about doing this. Right. She's finally doing it now, but it just was she wasn't comfortable with it, didn't know how to do it. And it's like yeah. that one of those things where you're like, I got 80 other things I'm doing. Right. But this is the one thing that changes the business dramatically. It just, it could be the difference between having a nice business and an amazing business. And I guess, I guess the other fear is like, I guess for any new business owner, you always have those people that are saying they're gurus and this and this. And yes. That, and not realizing and not really not knowing which is the right yeah. one to go with. So we all face that new or old business owners. That's always a challenge, right? You're trying to find somebody in, in 
I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to paint this big, this paint this them with this brush. I feel like a lot of agencies was what we're talking about here. Hiring someone, whether it's a contractor or agency to do Google AdWords, for example, Mm -hmm. in my experience, most of them over promise under deliver because they're just trying to get you to be a customer. Mm -hmm. So a couple tips for that. One, if you go with somebody, keep it a very short agreement. Don't buy into the old, uh, it's going to take six months for this to work story, which is what they, a lot of them give Mm -hmm. you, right? You give them a very short window, a very short trial to see if they can perform. How much would you recommend? A one month max in what you're talking about. Okay. No more than a month. Like AdWords is an easy one because it's, it's performance-based marketing. And so we know right away, you'll see right away. I'm getting more clicks. I'm getting more phone calls. Mm -hmm. You can direct them with AdWords to call you. You can track that. Like it's so powerful nowadays and so um, segmented. You can really understand. I mean, there's little tweaks an expert would come in and say, Hey, uh, by the way, you're not geo-targeting. You're not targeting by zip code. Uh, we know where you want to target. We want to go Paradise Valley, Scottsdale, mm-hmm. Ahwatukee, Gilbert, Chandler. You can target, right? Yeah. I don't want to run ads in, you know, Avondale. Maybe, I don't know. But we don't, we, you want to target those geo-targeting mm-hmm. to be where your customers live, right? And then that's just a little thing, right? Yeah. Maybe there's, a, there's something called day parting. Day parting is what hours I want to run ads. So uh, I'm just guessing here, but I don't think you want to run ads at 3 a.m. No. I don't think your customer's up at 3 a.m. searching for wall accent design, and all those clicks are probably worthless. But right. again, we need more data to understand what that looks like. Yours is probably, I mean, I'm just guessing from experience, yours is probably uh, 8 to 11 a.m. and 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Correct. Those are probably your money hours of people researching and clicking and lead generation. Yep. Right. So you can get, when you have more data, you can start refining and that's where you can improve that ROAS and improve that performance. But that's just experience. I've been doing this for a long time on online and just understanding how it works. And that's where if you could find the who, which is harder to do than it sounds exactly, you're better off that way, finding the expert. And maybe it's a contractor that you pay. Now it doesn't have to be an agency. Upwork is great. We use Upwork all the time. Find somebody on Upwork that has experience. Overseas is even better because typically they charge less. Okay. Find someone overseas and, and, and increase your budget. You're going to have to go up from your budget to test. But you'll be able to interview them and give, ask them real questions around case studies. Hey, give me examples of what you did. What was it doing before? What changes, specific things did you do to make it better? And then what was the performance afterwards? Okay. And they'll tell you, hopefully, if they're, they're honest and, and give them a one-month trial. I think you'll get a huge return on that. I'll definitely look into it because that sounds like a great idea to do. Yeah, I think that's the big thing for you is to get more sales and marketing. So I think that's the number one thing you can do to increase your new customers, which then if we solve the other problem of the repeat customers, tell me about are there any opportunities on like Yelp, Thumbtack, Angie's List? Talk to me about that. It's funny that you bring up that one because that's where the repeat customer came from. Is that right? From Yelp. Okay. And I did, you know, at first I was like, ah. I was like, I did it, and I was just like, let me just try to get on many platforms I can, you know. Um, but, and then when I did on Yelp, and my partner's like, you know, you shouldn't do it because I don't hear of many many people looking into Yelp to get you what you're what you're doing. That was my one of my first customers, and it was a repeat one, you know. Um, and then, but a lot of what I've noticed is a lot of people like Angie Lizist or any Thumbtack mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They have a hard problem putting me into a category mm. because they think, oh, you're a construction. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't do construction. Hmm. 
So oh, they don't really have a category for you. No. Is there an opportunity there for you to reach out to them? Thumbtack. Let's use Thumbtack as an yeah. example. And have them create a new category. Never thought of that, though. That might be... An, you, you now become a category of one, Douglas. So th- I'll give you an e-commerce example. So on Amazon, for example, yeah. they have a hierarchy that they've built. I mean, it's very granular, but it'll be like... Um, uh, home and kitchen, mm-hmm. uh, kitchen appliances, uh, coffee kitchen appliances. And I used to sell, a, I used to have a brand, we sold a cold brew coffee maker. Mm-hmm. And there was, that, that was about as deep as it went. Then when volume got big enough, mm-hmm. they created a cold brew coffee maker subcategory because there became enough demand exactly, yeah. to put it in there. But so then we could, we, we kept refining because they want to refine their catalog and Thumbtack probably wants to refine their catalog too. Um, if there's enough demand, you could become a category of one mm-hmm. and create a subcategory. And then when they get to that level, you're the only guy, Douglas, for now, mm-hmm. until other people recognize that. Yeah. I would reach out to them with that suggestion and say, hey, listen, I've got a thriving business in this category, but it doesn't really match up with your categories. And I'm sure you update your category. Your, it's called a, uh, a browse tree, typically, mm-hmm. or a hierarchy, a category hierarchy. All, biz- all these you know, on- online businesses have these. Google has one, Amazon has one, and suggest what you are and say, hey, it fits under this main category and then this subcategory, and there should be another category underneath it, which is what I do. You might, it might yeah. work out for you. Because, you know, I've noticed on those type of um, platforms, they, you know, I put myself under interior design. Yeah. I mean, I, I primarily fit under interior design. That's too broad. It is. And then I get requests hey, you know, I would like to get my whole house done. I'm like, I'm not trying to do that. I would have to, like, are you thinking? And I would have to, you know, message them back and, you know, say, are you looking to get an accent loss? Because that's what I do. And if you do, I'm here to help you out. You know, it's like, no, I want to do more. And I'm like, okay, but I'm sorry. But, you know, I don't have nobody else that I could refer you to, you know, to. That's a great idea. I would propose something like that to Thumbtack and say that under interior design, there should be an accent walls subcategory. And I'll be your first guy in it, in Phoenix. <laughs> All right. Great. I mean, try it. Because yeah. my understanding is Thumbtack then sends, sells leads, right? Yes. And so you could say to, again, go back to them and say, listen, I can't buy interior design leads because they're too broad and too general. Accent wall leads I can buy. And I'll buy those from you guys. Yeah. Which will generate revenue for you. That's right? true. It's a win-win. And then it also will help the customers. It'll filter out the customers that you don't want to talk to and waste your time with. Yes. What about Yelp? So Yelp, you got a great customer from that. Yep, yep. I got a great customer from that one. But then it's the same problem. I always get like, oh, I want to do my, like I, I remember um, I have one that's like, I want to do a whole uh, design, redo my whole sorority house. And I'm like, are you looking to do this? And like, oh no, you know, we, you know, we actually want to do, you know, pick wallpaper, uh, pick furniture. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I can't help you on that situation. Okay, this is a, how I think about this is my way. I'm wired this way to think this way now. Do you have an interior designer to refer them to? Not, not I don't have no friendly, no relationships, no relationships right now. Okay, so and I've tried to reach out. Like I've offered myself. Like I've reached out to them on Instagram. I've reached out to them on e uh, to their Gmail from their account from their business page. No response. You know what's better than reaching out? Giving them business. So. Uh, this happens in almost every industry, but reciprocity, mm-hmm. right? It works. Yeah. So imagine, this is going to be a stretch. Imagine I'm an interior designer. Okay. Okay. No ability here. But imagine I'm an interior designer and you come to me and you say, hey, Rob, listen, I just got this opportunity. 
I love, first of all, I love your work. I love what you do. I just got this opportunity and I don't have somebody to refer them to. It's a lead. This is their budget. This is what they're looking to do. I'd like to send them to you. What I would be like, Douglas is my new best friend. Thank you so much. Right? Yeah. So I would take the lead and now human nature, I feel reciprocity to you. You would also tell me what you do. I mean, you would make a pitch yeah. basically around this. Like, hey, listen, just so you know, I specialize in accent walls. So when you're doing a project, I could be a subcontractor in, in some capacity or you, the project, so you get a lead that's just somebody that doesn't want to do a full, uh, full-blown full remodel. Mm -hmm. Maybe you just have somebody that just wants to do accent walls and you don't want to do that because you want to do big projects, right? Mm -hmm. I want to be your guy, right? Yeah. What's beautiful about this especially if you're getting those kind of leads, you can go to the, I would have four, five, six, seven, eight interior designers, depending on maybe location, style, uh -huh. um, budget, that you can then build reciprocity with, right? So essentially it's a business partnership. Yeah, You could be a subcontractor for them. You give them leads, they give you leads. And man, that could blow up your business. I mean, blow it up in a good way. Yeah. Because you could get a lot of referrals from them because I imagine they have a lot of people that they're like, I don't want to do a $1,500 accent wall. I want to do a $40,000 redesign. Mm -hmm. And I'm just throwing out numbers. I have no idea if that's right. But I assume there's a lot of people like that. Everybody, as their business gets bigger, a lot of people let the smaller projects go and keep going for the bigger and bigger projects, right? Correct. And then not only that, they may not have an accent wall expert. So they're like, hey, I'm doing this huge project, but who do I go to for that? Mm -hmm. They're like, I don't really want, I'm not an expert in shiplap or Wayne's coding. So who's a guy that can, I can go to that is reliable that I trust that will do great work. It's funny that you say that because, um, this last expo, um, I was not on there Friday, but my partner was sent, you know, at the, uh, at the vendor for me. And he met a designer who says that the fact that she has her construction people do this, but they don't like to do it. They're construction people. They don't like to do it because, and then she would have to design. So she's like, this would be a great opportunity. And I'm like, I reached out to her, but, you know, just waiting. And I maybe go and reach out again again just to see. But uh, Okay, now imagine that same reach out with a lead. Correct. I mean, I, I don't know anybody who doesn't want more business. Yeah, I know. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, just to put yourself in their shoes. I reach out to you and I'm like, hey, Douglas, I got some leads for you. I think you're calling me. Yeah. Like, I think you're going to reply to me, right? And if they don't reply to you, that's not someone you want to work with. Correct. Right? So you'll know it's kind of a filtering system. That's someone you don't want to partner with. And so you'll know that. Be like, hey, I sent you a lead. Like, you don't want any more business? Like, I, I, want, to, I want to work together with people that are actually the right kind of people. Mm -hmm. And then that will filter out. And then that will give you confidence on who you give leads to also. So if you build that network effect of getting all sorts of... Because each of those designers already has a network. Mm -hmm. And so... When I talk about network, I think of like a node where each person has a network of people around them and yeah. suppliers. And then you plug into that network and you just become a node into that network. The more nodes you add to your network allows you to scale faster. So True. I think that's another great opportunity. True. Yeah. That's the, I've, I've mentioned that getting more collaborations with people yep. will definitely increase your revenue, but also increase your uh, business. Set. Well, good news is most of these people are bad at online. So, I mean, just they are just yeah. offline businesses struggle with all online stuff. So if you got better at online and built that, I'll call it deal flow or yeah. like opportunity flow, you build that opportunity flow, then you can start sending out people to those referrals.
I mean, okay. shoot, you could make, there's a whole leads generation business around this. I'm not suggesting you do that. I'm suggesting you do it as a reciprocity to build your business. Yeah, that'd be a great idea. And of course, I'm always, I'm a business owner who likes to help other people as well. So that's great. I mean, I think that the world is too much take, there are too many takers in the world. Very much so. And I like to help people too. I mean, this is fun for me. Like the whole reason we're doing the podcast is because it's fun and find opportunities. I mean, listen, I'm going to circle back. You need to make sure you let us know how this works. Yes, definitely. You got to take some action on it. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I, am. I feel like you're an action taker. No, I am. That That's my thing. I jump, like, I guess it's the military. Yeah. I jump first and then like think about what I did after. <laughs> you know what they say about, you know what they say about entrepreneurs is we jump off a cliff and we figure out how to build the airplane on the way down. Yeah. And so that's what I love about this. I, I love being an entrepreneur because we got... It's interesting because I don't even think about it as problems, really. We mm -hmm. always have, everyone has problems. But problems, in my case, are opportunities. Because if there's a problem that needs to be solved, there's a market opportunity. Correct. Right? How do we take that as an opportunity and a lesson to be learned? And how do we solve that problem to, to create a business or create a service around that to mm -hmm. solve the problem? Um, it sounds like you've already got financials pretty dialed in. Uh, you've got a low, you know, you don't have an inventory situation. So that's a, a fairly easy point. Um, make sure you get your accounting dialed in. Definitely. Yes. Uh, don't get behind on that. I, we all get behind on that sometimes as, as business owners. Uh, and then uh, from an operation standpoint, you feel like you can solve that problem. If you were to scale up and 10x your business, you feel like you could you could solve that problem too? Yes. Just, you know, just getting the, st the right staff. And I mean, primarily, that's basically it. I, other than that, I could just be the designer and have the installers put the design on. That would be awesome. Because that's what I feel like you want to do. Yes. That's your unique ability is the design piece. And then you could have a team underneath you that just executes on that. Correct. I love that idea. That's leverage. Yes. That allows you, I mean, you could go do, in theory, you could go do a few consult consultations a day in theory. Correct. Like just by yourself, not the execution part. Yeah. And then the team could execute and you could start doing a multiple projects a day. That's what I see as an opportunity for yes. you. Yes. There's no question the demand is out there, in my opinion. Yeah. From what I know. Especially as, as I'm being going to, I see the demand is pretty high. Okay. And a lot of people are kind of just like, they they see that it's a trend, and but people are like, I don't know if I want to do it. I'm like, you guys, like people don't know, like this, this is not just a thing that you just do just for fun, just because you want like a mural on your, on your, on your, uh -huh. on your wall. But it's kind of like the same thing that you would do a kitchen remodel. They always tell you real estate, because I also have a real estate license mm. back in California. Your three places to do is your master bedroom, your master, your master bathroom, and your kitchen. That's that where's all the equities at. So why not bring something else besides the typical remodeling and bring some creativity to it? I love that. That's a good pitch. I think I, I always think about it with the house. In addition to that, I, it's funny. Some people would wait until they're ready to sell mm -hmm. to do this stuff. And that blows my mind. Cause I'm like, I want to do it now. So I get value out of it because it's, it's more aesthetically pleasing. Correct. And then it'll also potentially have some value when we sell. Yep. But I don't want to wait until I go to sell to get the value out of it. I want to do it now. Yeah. I'm like, what's the point of you wasting the money, but you're not enjoying it? That's right. So I want to get the enjoyment out of it. And then also, I can hopefully help. I mean, they're, they're, you know, in the last couple of years, the market's been pretty hot for real estate, right? So people haven't had to have the house dialed in. Mm -hmm. But when in a softer market, if you happen to sell in a softer market, these things matter. Yes. Like people want a turnkey house. Like a lot of times in a softer market, some people, I mean, we did a full remodel and it sucked. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd ever do it again. The amount of decisions we had to do was, oh, I, bet. I mean, we did the kit, we'd everything, flooring, we poured concrete into like a sunken living room, like put in new panoramic doors. Like it was, 
multi-month project. I did not like it. It was unbelievably like daunting to do all that. Uh, but now the house is like turnkey. Yeah. Right. And there was nothing wrong with it before. It was just outdated. Yeah. So now it's just turnkey. So someone that comes, if we were to go sell our house now, someone that that aesthetic is pleasing to them, they're like, oh, I don't have to do anything. Yeah. I can just buy, I can move in. Yeah. Like, done. And that's what a lot of people look want to want to do. Most people, I think, yeah. want to do that, right? And other people are looking for value and trying to make it better, right? Yeah. But I, I think you got a good point there because there is a little bit of an ROI on that, especially the master bedroom, the kitchen, yeah. the bathroom, like you talked about. And you make it just like, wow, this is impressive. Yeah. All right, I'm sold. You coming over to the house? <laughs> my wife, we're gonna get my wife. You're gonna do a consultation at my house. Master bedroom's been bugging me for a while, so we just have never done anything other than the flat paint on the the back wall behind uh -huh. the bed. And I love some of the stuff that I saw on your site. So I'm looking forward to it. Then. Oh, this is awesome. Well, thanks for coming in today. I really Thank appreciate you for it. Having Hopefully, me. You, you've got a few actions uh, to take, and then I, yes. I'd love to follow up with you and see how it goes. No, definitely. Yeah, those are great points, and definitely I'm going to start putting them into effect right now. All right, where can people find more about you? Find out more about you. So if you could go on Google and just search www.desiredhomesus.com. Okay. And then from there, you could just look at my my site and schedule a consultation, and we'll go from there. Okay. And then also. Once you work with Douglas, please leave him a review. He needs more reviews on please. Google, Yelp, please. every single platform. So, all right. Thanks for today. I appreciate it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review, and share with friends. And if you're an entrepreneur interested in coming on the show, visit therobgreenshow.com to get in touch. Stay curious and never stop learning, improving, or growing.